With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Courtney, how are you? Tired. (laughs) It has been a long (laughs) time. It's just like, I feel like... Training camp's dragging on, and here we are, sunburned, hot, sweaty. Uh, and we have yes. been through a lot here already in training camp. It seems. Every day, if it's not some like insane story, like with Tony Sperano passing away, and then... You know, not to equate the two at all, but just, you know, things that are shocking to you, the Rishi Incognito stuff. I asked you earlier, I'm like, was that Wednesday last week? I've lost track of the days. And then, you know, today gearing up for the joint practice, which, knock on wood, Mike Zimmer's hoping is not going to result in a melee, which everybody seems to be bracing themselves for. It's something new. Uh, This has not been a very quiet training camp. No, not at all. And yeah, just because you say, oh, we're trying to tell everyone not to fight with each other doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So look a few few hours ago, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Jimmy Ward got in a scuffle in uh, down there in Houston. Yep. And there was a big one between Washington and the New York Jets. So I guess we'll be talking about a potential scuffle on the next Purple Podcast. Maybe there will have to be an emergency Purple Podcast after we record this one uh, to break down who was right and wrong in the scuffle. But hopefully that doesn't happen for our sake. Well, if players don't fight, I think that we should engage in a fight with the other media members. Okay. They, just to kind of live up because I think some people are hoping for a fight. But Jacksonville didn't send enough. Media. I will take care of it. Okay. We'll just I'll just find random people. <laughs> find the bloggers. Pull Poor fans guys. out of the stands. <laughs> All right, there's got to be some fights on this day. Well, that Washington and that um, Jets fight, like the one that was on the field, I think, uh, what was it, like the Chris Williams got hurt first, and then there was a few other things. Apparently the the brawl that sparked from that, also sparked something in the stands, so who knows? Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Okay, maybe that'll be like um, during the Super Bowl on Press Row in the Super Bowl that two Houston radio hosts got into Yes, it. I do remember that. I was present for that. And the one I remember seeing the video, off. and it was like it looked very fake because it looked very staged. Yeah, it wasn't. I was there for it. Like, to scream like that far away from someone's face just makes me break out in hives and awkward vomit yeah yeah in minnesota we usually don't we, we just do usually i mean none of us are minnesotans either of us are minnesotans but 
We could be passive aggressive. Have you taken it on yet, though? I mean, like the being dry- passive aggressive. No, no, no. I mean, well, yes. But no, like- I'm just a jerk. No, I am not a nice person. If you if you mess with me, I'm not nice. But see, I'm a very sweet person beyond that. See, I think that we all kind of take it on, like the way that other people act. I mean, they're, they're in other medias that I've been in are confrontations face to face, but that doesn't happen a whole lot here. And also, I now drive the speed limit all the time because everyone else does. I don't. I speed. Wow. I'm a jerk. I told Kevin Seifert, uh, my colleague at ESPN and a you know, contributor to 1500, this morning that I'm in my second year here. No holds bar. If there's a civil war between the media here, I'm leading it. And uh, you know, I'm just going to set a bad example. No, I'm kidding. Okay. There, that. None of that's going to happen. Uh, so, okay, now that we've got all of whatever that was. It was pent-up anger. <laughs> that's what it is. Going on three weeks of training camp. Uh, but now let's move on, though, because we have a preseason game on Saturday, and we yeah. learned a lot from the first preseason game, including that Rock Thomas can play. And that, no, you're happy uh, about that. I, I'm not going to brag about it uh, yet. I'm not going to touchdown dance at the 20-yard line on Rock Thomas, but we also learned that Brian O'Neill looks better than we expected, and Jalen Holmes was in late in the game, but upon further review, had a pretty good time out there playing. So maybe there's some things that we didn't anticipate. Kyle Sloter has been very bad in camp, but was really good in the game. So, and Mike Hughes. And Mike I Hughes, mean, yes. we, we, we anticipated he would play uh, with the second-team defense. He played well enough that he played himself into the first-team lineup at, at nickel corner yesterday, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if throughout the week we see him rotating in there with Mackenzie Alexander. He just had a little bit of hiccups on punt return, but – that's some pretty high praise from Mike Zimmer, who is very hard on his cornerbacks because that you know all his DBs. That's his position. Um, the praise that he gave Mike Hughes, kind of like you just have to like take a step back and be like, "Whoa, this guy has had a multitude of very good corners." Mm-hmm. And the fact that he said, you know. Other guys have coached. Their first game didn't look like that. That's that's some high praise. And with Zimmer we can really talk about what it means because with a lot of coaches, they might just praise everybody, but we know that Mike Zimmer does not just praise everybody that when he was saying last year about how good Delvin cook looked, that he was telling the truth. It was legit. Delvin cook looked that good as a rookie. So let's start there. As far as things to watch for Saturday against the Jacksonville Jaguars at us bank stadium, Mike Hughes has to be number one. Does he get first team looks? Does he come out as a starter potentially, or is he right back in the same role? And how well does he play in that game with the snaps that he gets? Yeah, I think that that's the first thing you look at where, you know, with this draft class, all of a sudden the narrative now is, okay, these guys are probably not going to, or they went from these guys are not going to play their rookie year to two guys that, you know, are getting first team reps, Brian O'Neill more so out of necessity because Rashad Hill had the ankle injury. We'll see if he goes through practice against Jacksonville. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he's starting at right tackle. And then with Mike Hughes, he's good enough right now. And might, in might, it's not decided, but might be better fit. Uh, and it's something that we discussed about with the nickel corner position that really shouldn't be any competition. It's more of an indictment on Mackenzie Alexander if Hughes is getting more reps. And uh, Hughes is the more physically gifted player than Alexander, so he's kind of got a chance if he can figure out the mental part to steal that job away. Alexander lost it last year to Terrence Newman, who was not more physically gifted, but certainly on a higher level um, of mental understanding of what he needed to do in that spot. So if Hughes is there and has worked that hard, it's a great sign for his future as 
as a Minnesota Viking if he can come in and take this job away this quickly. So that's got to be number one on the list, and you alluded to it with Brian O'Neill. I feel like we're trending toward Brian O'Neill as the starting right tackle for game one against the San Francisco 49ers. It feels like that, and Hill, Rashad Hill has had a lot of things go wrong for him this camp. The illness, uh, you know, being able to get his strength back, put his weight back on, and then you know, the rolling his ankle on, you know, stepped on the guard. I believe that would have probably been Danny Isadori. He stepped on his foot the other day, leaves practice, isn't practicing. And, you know, as you say, can't make the club if you're in the tub. I mean, obviously he's going to make the team. Am I the one that says that? You're the one who taught me that term. I would never use that before. Mike Zimmer said, yeah, Mike Zimmer said it in 2014. Well, it's a, it's a good term. And I really do appreciate that part of our friendship where I learn things from you yeah. like that. Yeah, well, I, I try to be a good teacher over here. Yeah, it's so. like. You're sen- welcome. Thank you. You're the sense say and i'm the i don't know what's the other thing grasshopper i'll be grasshopper it's fine um but with with brian o'neill we knew going into camp that yes it was trending towards rashad hill earning that job but there's no out there was never an outright like oh he's the starting right tackle he struggled down the stretch last year Granted, he did face some really elite competition. He was never put in this position coming off Jacksonville's practice squad last year. That was a depth signing, and he was thrust into the fire. He performed pretty well, Mm -hmm. but was it always your long-term option? No, it wasn't. You're supposed to be moving Mike Remmers back to tackle and putting your guard in there to fill in for Joe Berger. That was a long-term option. But, I mean, Brian O'Neill right now, I'd be willing to you know flip that wager and say that he's the starting right tackle, and he's probably not there yet. But in a way, it's probably better to get your project in there now and get him used to getting thrown into the fire than, you know, have to do this week four of the season. Yes. And if you think about the teams that they face over the first few weeks, nobody has a Vaughn Miller, but then you do face those guys later in the year. So if you're going to get O'Neill's feet wet, you should probably do it right away. And the ceiling on O'Neill is so much higher than Rashad Hill. Rashad Hill at his absolute best is still a hang on for dear life at right tackle guy mm-hmm. that, and that's okay as a backup as a sixth option to someone's hurt and you've got to go in and who knows if Riley Reef will end up playing the whole year. He was dinged up a bit last year. So you always want to have that backup swing tackle. I wouldn't want Rashad Hill at left tackle. That's all I'm saying. That experiment, I believe we saw it, right, in the Carolina game. Yeah. It's it's not going to be good if he has to play for a long time. But he's very much a, okay, we need him for two weeks. That's fine. He can go in there and play. But with O'Neal, even if there are some bumps along the way, the big plays he might be able to create for you with his athleticism, getting into the second level, which Mike Zimmer talked a lot about. And then maybe he can make progress because Zimmer seemed to insinuate today that he was nowhere close in OTAs. He but, wasn't. Look and, at his body. Right. We, we had talked about this, like standing behind when, you know, Tony Sperano was coaching up the guys with the pads um, and hearing just, you know, lot of the discussion in there is what I'm thinking, but seeing Rashad Hill, Mike Remmers, Brian O'Neill, your three right tackles, and seeing just the size differential. That's he looks like an NFL player. He looks more like a starting right tackle now than he did in May. Yes, and the one-on-ones in camp are a thing to watch on a daily basis. He's looked way better in those. And then to have a good performance in the game, if he has another good performance in this next game, then I would start putting that money down on him being the starting right tackle. Uh, Next thing on the list, can your boy Mike Boone get back in the race? Because 
Rock Thomas was the star of the first preseason game. Boone struggled for most of that game. Mac Brown was a total non-factor. Do you think he's got a shot, or are you concerned that he just doesn't have the, the technique or the natural skill to be a NFL running back? Well, his run fits weren't great. Let's call it that. Um, no, I'm saying just yeah. just watching him run and like run into the back of like players and try to bounce, and he was going nowhere on Saturday. I think field vision for rookies is probably hard. Um, I don't know about what Mac Brown like what how long the injury is going to keep him out, so that could potentially be a good thing for Mike Boone, where he could you know steal some more reps. And you know, I, I do think that they start out with Rock Thomas. Uh, whenever Latavius Murray, I, I don't know if they're going to play Dalvin Cook. I don't think they would. Doesn't make sense. But whenever Latavius Murray goes out, I think Rock Thomas is your guy to get back in there. There's still time for Mike Boone, but I was really impressed with Rock Thomas the other day. You can see why he was an SEC caliber player before transferring. You can see what kind of skill set he can bring that will match Jarek McKinnon's and, and provide that explosive, you know, 58-yard touchdowns as you get out in the second level because you can catch a really quick screen pass. Like, he can do all those things, and that's important because it's not saying that with the, the first two, I mean, you know, you'd think, okay, what does the third running back bring? It should be a different element. Both of those guys can do that th- those things. Any of the th- skill sets that Jarek McKinnon had, it's embedded within Le- Latavius Murray, and it's really embedded within uh, Dalvin Cook. I w- you want to see something different from Rock Thomas on specific downs and situations, and you know, so far he showed that. I w- have started to think of this if Rock Thomas continues to do what he did the other night. But you're right about picking out the skills that will translate. Mm-hmm. Having no field vision for Mike Boone is a big problem. <laughs> That's like big problem, little problem. That's a big problem. With Rock, I mean, he fell forward. He found holes. And so if there is something there with him, the Vikings might end up with a Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt, Corey Clement type of trio where we didn't really expect that. And with Delvin, I know that Mike Zimmer talked to us at the Combine about this. They don't want him running the ball 300 times. No. And, I mean, you have to monitor his workload, which um... – you know, somebody brought up this point earlier about why he potentially wouldn't play much in the preseason. I do think you see some of him in Game Three, but how might how the Vikings handled Adrian Peterson coming off of that knee injury right when Mike Zimmer got here is probably the script that they want to go off of mm-hmm. of you know things to do, things not to do, uh, to be able to have Dalvin in the freshest shape he can be in to contend for things like Comeback Player of the Year and not be. Um, you know, losing production by week five because he's just not there. So would it will it be by committee? Maybe. I tend to think, you know, I go back to where Latavius was in 2016 with the Raiders, and he was the lead back. We knew it. He was the guy, and he was a pro, you know, coming off, I believe, a Pro Bowl season. But you had Jalen Richard, you had DeAndre Washington, guys who were your change of pace backs, you know, traditional downhill runner in DeAndre. Um, and they were still featured, but Latavius was number one. I think you can very easily do that if and, and salvage Dalvin Cook for what for you know how long you want to keep him for, um, you know just for the for the strength of his career really yeah. because this is not something where you know he's still your bell cow in a, in a sense like you're not going to take a guy like that and not give him put him in the in the game in the most critical time, but. There's other ways to do it, and I think also just with John DeFilippo's scheme, as we saw a little bit of it on Saturday, um, Dalvin Cook's going to be a receiver a lot of times this year, and you can throw Latavius Murray in in the backfield while, da- while Dalvin's in the slot catching passes. Right, and I love that idea 
of using two running backs on the field at the same time? Because right now they have two great wide receivers, and everything past that is a cluster. They have two good tight ends. Everything past that is a cluster. Whoa, that's high praise for David Morgan. Oh, yeah, David Morgan I know will that play. you love him. He will play. He's going to play a lot. Tyler Conklin almost had a really good catch yesterday. Almost. Yeah, I, I, I was standing the there. It was, it was almost. It was almost. I mean, I, what was it? Did he have a foot in or? The, the tight end situation is just not great past All because they didn't really assess that need as well as they could have in the draft. Also, is it ever good? Like, does some team – last year the Eagles did. The Eagles, that's it. Like, rarely does a team have three good tight ends. But my point just being, if your best playmakers are those top two wide receivers and your number one tight end, it gives you an opportunity to use two running backs at the same time. Yeah, and we – what I was also referring to from the game, I remember it was when – Rock Tom, when Mike Boone was still in, he was lined up as an X. He was all the way on the outside. Laquan Treadwell is on the other side. I like that they're not traditional running back roles where you're moving your guys because you can get more guys running across the middle of the field. You can give Kirk Cousins options down the sideline. It, it makes sense. I mean, 2016 Atlanta is a perfect example of mm-hmm. that at its finest, being able to see what they did with um, – Tevin Coleman, Tevin Coleman yep. and Devontae Freeman. So, I mean, that that's the the, the blueprint I would go off of at yeah. least. And they, and they used a lot of their two and three tight ends mm-hmm. too. And mixing up the personnel is kind of a Kyle Shanahan thing that he really perfected that year. And uh, then the Eagles did it a ton last year. There's always been changes in personnel, but like taking it to the extreme of using three tight ends on one play and five wide receivers on the next and things like that, lining up tight ends at wide receiver. I think we'll see more of that. I talked to Kyle Rudolph about that one day about lining up as a wide receiver and in the slot, which I think we will see him do. We saw him do some of it in training camp, did we not? Like, I want to say it was last week. Yeah, we have, for sure. I mean, sure. that's, that's – talk about a mismatch. Whoever your nickel is better be pretty darn good. And it's sort of like thinking outside the box as opposed to a tight end lines up in this place. Like, well, he can catch the ball really well, so we can line him up anywhere. And that's how I think Filippo is going to approach this. I think it's just with that, you know – if you're if you're John DiFilippo, you're just praying at this point that your right tackle situation and whoever's going to be on those bookends that you don't. I mean, you could put a guy, I guess, like David Morgan in there and ha- still have right. Rudolph move outside. But right now, you need a blocking presence, and that I, might have to come from your tight end packages. If anything, Philly shows us from last year just how versatile you can be when you have a great offensive line. You can yeah. do anything out there and if you're limited at all on the offensive line that's going to hold you back because you make a great point then you're going to need David Morgan to give help to Rashad Hill and you don't really want to do that you want to be able to send guys more and more guys out so we're running a whole ton of jumbo um that's where Aviant that's where Aviant Collins can come in we have resolved that issue it is Aviant 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 there's no e it's a silent e although it was there. This has been kind of a mess. Another thing from training camp. because his college pronunciation says Avion, and that that's how some people sense. had been phrasing questions to Mike Zimmer and to other players. So, what do you think about Avion Collins? I'm like, who? And that's probably why Zimmer called him Anthony the other day in his press conference. Like he's had enough of this. He's just going with Anthony. Just call him number seventy six. That's that's what he wants to do, anyways. AC was another one that he went with. You had um, a good AC line on. Uh, uh yeah. The other day, I said that uh, the offense goes cold when AC's in the game. Got See, him. But yes, but that's not necessarily a good thing, though. Right? No, when but you go cold, it's a slam. It's like I dunked on him. 
Good job, me. He also has a nasty streak, which he we saw him punch uh, Devontae Downs in the helmet. So. Yeah, don't mention that I said that to him. Oh, I, I'm going to go tell him right now. Okay. That's going to be the first punch <laughs> thrown in practice today at me. So is Treadwell on your list of things to watch? Because yes. one catch for three yards on 42 snaps was kind of weird. Yeah, it was. And I just I still think there's something there that maybe, I don't know if he'll talk about it. I don't know what it was, but it made no sense. Like, you, this guy's supposed to be your number three receiver. You know, other than that, Kendall Wright didn't do anything. It's not like they had other guys stealing their looks. Like, Brandon Zilstra did not play because he was hurt. Tavares King did not play because he was hurt. Um, you know, who else am I forgetting? Stacy Coley played somewhat, and he actually had a pretty good game. I think he led them in receptions behind for receivers behind Stephon Diggs. And, you know, now he's hurt and dealing with something that, you know, from coming down weird with the ball the other day in practice – you have to – I need to see Laquan Treadwell catch multiple passes. I need to see him get a touchdown in one of these games. For the love of God, you need to see something happen because it's been three years. Or, you know, it's been two years. We're going on the third year. If he doesn't score a preseason touchdown, I think it's good confidence builder for him. He caught one pass in the preseason last year. They're saying a lot of right things about Treadwell. It seems like there's a new way to say something nice about him every time that either Mike Zimmer, John Filippo, or Kirk Cousins gets asked. And this time it was, Kirk Cousins doesn't care about anything that was written about Treadwell before this. Like, okay, so that's why they're connecting more in camp. All right. I don't buy that. Sure, but... okay, whatever. I. Okay, fine. I mean, Cousins is supposed to be super well researched and also mentioned that he knew all of Treadwell's yeah, numbers. Yeah, he had heard and he had yes. heard kind of like right. so, the backstory. Right. So these th- I mean these things conflict with each other but it doesn't matter, right? I mean, no. it's just it's trying to think of a new thing to say about Treadwell because none of us know where this is going to go until we get there. And this is one of the big questions for Saturday is not just Treadwell, but who behind him steps up because you know who stepped up the most? Chad, Chad BB. Chad BB. Like special teams ace Chad BB. Right I, after that touchdown, he went went right back out with Jeff Baddett on the special teams on the kickoff. That, Hustle and heart. <laughs> <laughs> but that, you know, that might be a determining factor because right now everyone else is a mess. Zilstra was making strides, then got hurt and missed the game. Tavares King was supposed to be another veteran in the mix. We haven't seen him really at all. Kendall Wright is still running with the second team, except for the occasional first team rep. Yeah, because only because guys are hurt and Diggs didn't practice on Monday. Jeff Baddett's amazing speed didn't seem to transfer over to the game. So you didn't he, think he was super lightning fast in that two point conversion? Did Corey Robertson even play? Yeah, he did. He did. Oh, I saw him on the field. Yeah. Okay. So he I mean, he played like five special team snaps. Oof. We are not in great shape. Past. There's just no three. depth, but you have bodies. It's like, you know, somebody run up a check. Like, f- help me figure this out because there's so many people there that could like win this job. Somebody do it. Right. Same thing last year. Nobody wanted the number three job. They're all like, okay, you take it. And something that that says is Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen better stay healthy the whole year because beyond them, there isn't a whole lot there. And with the other guys kind of either going down or not making an impact, this now changes my mind on Kendall Wright. I think just because of his experience, they'll probably keep him because they can't trust anybody else if they have to step into a role. If it was ending right now, I'd probably say you're right. But I still think it's so early in camp that, you know, Stacy Coley is not in a good situation right now just because of the injuries. Like, that's – they need to see more out of him. I think Brandon Zilstra looked good, you know, those first few weeks of camp, and, and they know what they have in him. He's already an experienced, 
you know, football player. He played, you know, a year in the CFL, was a huge special teams guy there, um, you know, had a ton of kickoff and punt returns. But it also, you know, I think you just factor it in that there is still, like, time for guys to come back from injury and show what they can do. That It just puts more pressure on that third preseason game where starters are out there and, you know, those backups are going to be fighting for time. So Aviantanananana Collins um, is part of another thing to watch, sure. which is just does he play more? I mean, he played a ton, but does he play first team at all? Probably not. What's the offensive line look like? That one's kind of obvious. What else is on your list that I haven't touched on yet. Well, I just, this week, it's early, but we haven't seen Tom Compton or Danny Isadora swap. I was kind of expecting, you know, as well as Danny Isadora played at right guard, and you're eventually, you know, Mike Remmers did return this week. Uh, They're, you know, slow playing, getting him back in to team stuff. But, you know, who's going to go to left guard when it's all said and done? I mean, that's still something to watch. You know, who are they going to rotate? Is it going to look the same? Uh, Might Danny Isadora... I mean, practice would certainly be an indication, but might they want to move him over to left guard, Tom Compton over to right guard? Who knows? Um, with with Collins, you know, they're playing him more inside, but he is a, he is a pretty good backup left tackle, which um, to bring up one point that I meant to say earlier with Brian O'Neill, I think what you're doing here is you're grooming him to eventually take over for Riley Reef. I agree. Start yep. him at right tackle um, if you have to this year, which looking like you're going to have to, at least for a little bit. Um his ceiling is so high that could be your Joe Staley type tackle, your guy who plays for the franchise for a decade. Um, he, he, I mean, he, it's athleticism is off the charts. It's all you ever hear about is just how high his ceiling is and his potential um, and upside, and he has it. So, I mean, that's just what I wanted to put on that. Okay, so last thing is that you still get the sense with what Mike Zimmer said about Tom Compton, like he certainly doesn't have the job locked down that a trade remains possible. Oh, not, totally. Not Anthony Barr trade, as we have been told several times by Mike Zimmer, but what um, about a, for a guard. What about a Mackenzie Alexander trade? That what is a, possible. What about a Trey Waynes trade? That would be really shocking. It would be, but you do have Mike Hughes, just saying. Okay. Not saying you'd be ready to start on the outside right now. Not saying you'd be ready to start at all, but... The praise that he got from Zimmer, and I'm not trying to like start speculation. These are just yeah. thoughts. I think a lot and um, about football, and that's one that you know a guy who's entering. You know, they picked up his fifth year option. A guy who's going to be entering a contract year pretty soon. Um, you know, finally turned it around in year three. I'm excited to see what Trey Waynes can do again in year four and becoming a truly elite, complete cornerback. Um, but. That might be an off-season one. Like, as he goes into a huge contract with potentially extension, he's going to be on the fifth-year option. That's a massive cap hit for him. Like, yeah. wouldn't that seem like if they love what Hughes did this year? Unless, there's something, unless there's something in the works where they're like, we have to have this guard. Um, maybe they swap players with Jacksonville. I don't know how you could do that. I mean, they're not really thrilled with their backups on their offensive line as it is. Nobody I, really has a lot of guard strength to go around. Well, yeah, that's always been my holdup on the trade conversation. But what I'm looking at is we're going down the stretch where teams like Orlando Scandrick was let go. Mm-hmm. And the exp- explanation was basically, well, our rookie is the guy we're going to play. So nothing against yeah, him. It's but scheme related or it's somebody passed you up on the depth chart. You don't ever want to be in a situation where you're signing a guy that's like Alex Boone, like guys too out of shape to play our scheme. But you know, that's, that was kind of the Zane Beatles situation. I mean, they had, they mm-hmm. drafted guys. I mean, wasn't it McGlinchey that not McGlinchey, um, 
they had somebody take over his spot in San Francisco. Yep. And that's just – I think that's where you look. And they're so far down the waiver wire that I think a trade's going to have to happen if you want anybody mm-hmm. of substance. If you yep. want somebody that's not just – Who's the dude they brought in the other day? The guy that was like with John Filippo for like four seconds in Cleveland? The guard? What's oh, his name? Yeah, he's got a name, but I forget what it is. That's 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 the type of signing <laughs> it Johnson? was. Johnson? Caleb. Yeah. Caleb Johnson? Yeah, Caleb sure. That works. People are going to be like, oh, you guys don't do your job. You have no idea what you're talking about. Literally right now, I don't know what I'm talking about. I think about, we got it. I forgot though. his name. I think that's right. He's like the, uh, we made him on Madden, like create a player. Um. I could really see that happening, though. Like, send a conditional six sure. to someone for a player they were going to cut, bring in an extra guard here, and then you've got enough time to get that person ready. So we will see what happens, and, of course, we will be back soon to break it all down. I think probably Judd and I right after the game. Yeah, um, and we'll break down all the non-fights. Oh, happen. yeah. Oh, last thing. I think um, people are really, really waiting to hear your thoughts about the long snapping so far in camp. It's, it's looked really good. I uh, definitely have to say that I've been had a keen eye on uh, Kevin McDermott's technique. What, you know, what's the best technique that he uses, do you think? You know, getting the ball back there. Yeah. Uh, I think the distance. Uh-huh. Uh, I also am watching out for David Morgan, the backup long snapper. Yeah, you have to. Because truly we don't have a lot of – they don't have a lot – excuse me, I'm talking like I'm the long snapper. They don't have a lot of depth at the position. You basically are. Um, you study it so closely. I mean, I'm always looking at technique and hands. You know, where's the hand on the top of the ball? Yeah. Like, how are you planning to? Yeah. How do you get that momentum where you just, you know, kick it off the ground? And you think that McDermott that. is best at knowing down and distance. Totally. In the situation. I think he also knows uh, what his blocking schemes are Maybe too. Maybe to go left or right on a certain play. Yeah, like I mean, that's that you that you have to have that. I've never seen a long snapper that doesn't. <laughs> You know, momentum, yeah, special right. teams, as I have found out for a story that's coming out tomorrow, special teams is all about changing the pace of the game, shifting momentum, field position. Um, yeah, wow. And that starts with this, that starts with long snapping, if you ask me. I'm really glad I asked. And we'll talk to you all again about this sometime yeah. on the Purple Podcast. Who knows? Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.